0: drivers getting worse or is it just me? They are aren't they? Like I swear it feels to me like every time I drive, every time I drive there's someone cutting in front of me, there's someone swerving between traffic, um, there's someone impatiently waving their hands, never at me because I'm always doing the right thing but there's someone impatiently (laughs) waving their hands or yelling at someone else and it just seems to me that as a culture we are as a people, we're becoming more and more frustrated. Or maybe it is, is that we're becoming more easily frustrated. You know, where it used to take this much to get us frustrated about things, and now it's this much. And if you don't believe me, just read the comments on pretty much any social media thread, right? And it's just, just people just venting frustration about everything. Um, but frustration isn't always bad. You realize, like, sometimes sometimes frustration is a good thing. Josephine Cochran invented the first dishwasher because she was frustrated that her china was getting too easily chipped while she was hand washing it. Tim Berners-Lee was a software engineer who was frustrated that he couldn't share the software and the programming that he was working on. He couldn't share it easily with his collaborators in another country. So he, he, he built a new language, uh, he built a new program that enabled him to send the program that he was working to to his colleagues overseas down the phone line. It's his fault. It's yeah. his fault. <laughs> he called it HTML. Oh, wow. And he nicknamed it the World Wide Web. reverend everett swanson flew to korea to minister to american soldiers during the korean war and he couldn't believe how many orphans there were in korea and how poorly they were treated he remembers one day walking through the streets and watching local sanitation workers just picking up all these rags off the street and throwing them into the bins. And he realised that they weren't rags, they were the bodies of orphan children who'd frozen to death overnight and the authorities were picking them up and choking them in a dump truck. He was so angry, he was so frustrated, he was so sad that he came home and he started collecting money for his friends. And that's how the charity Compassion was started. Out of one man's frustration for what he saw on the streets of Korea. Frustration, when it leads to change, when it leads to change for the better, can be a good thing. And we're about to begin a new series where we are going to enter the frustration, the deep frustration of one man. We're beginning a new series on the book of Galatians in our Bibles. We call Galatians a book, but Galatians isn't actually a book at all. It's a letter. It's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of churches in an area called Galatia, which actually, ironically, given where we are this week, is in the middle of modern-day Turkey. He didn't call it Galatians. He didn't call it a book. He just called it a letter. But that letter had so much good stuff in it, had so much... that The people who read that letter, who received it, a single copy of that letter, it had so much value to them that they made copies of that letter and they sent it to other churches. And when people came to visit their church, they found so much value in that letter that they took copies back to their churches and back to other areas. And then those churches shared that letter with other churches. And Paul's letter to the Galatians went viral. It did. And, and, and over many years, it got, it got shared so much and it got shared around so much that, that people would talk to, that would call it the letter to the Galatians. And eventually, it just got shortened to Galatians. And in 393 AD, when church leaders gathered to bring together Christian writings, there were all these sort of different Christian writings, and the we gathered to bring them together into what we now call the New Testament. Paul's letter to the Galatians was an absolute must to be included. That's how we get this little book of Galatians in our Bibles, in our New Testaments. And and if if you've been to church before, if you've hung out in church at all, you might have heard the word Galatians, you might have heard some stuff, because there's some really classic one-liners that Paul writes in the book of Galatians. Some stuff that is really good for like Christian coffee cups and bookmarks and T-shirts, right? <laughs> Paul was like, a, a, he was a content machine when he was writing Galatians. Um, he wrote stuff in Galatians like love, joy, peace, uh, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Have you heard that? The, the, we, we, often people call it the fruit of the Spirit. That's in Galatians 5.22.23. Paul wrote this in Galatians uh, in chapter 2, verse 20. He wrote, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That looks great in a t shirt. That, that'll work. Galatians 5, 1, Paul wrote, It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. That's, that's brilliant in bookmarks. You know, you open that. The, so, so you might have heard some stuff from Galatians. But the first church who read Paul's letter to the Galatians. They didn't share it with other churches because they had great one-liners in it. There was much more to Paul's letter than those, you know, than those little quotes. And so we're going to spend the next few weeks and dig deep into this letter. We're going to start at the beginning and read pretty much all of it and find out for ourselves why this letter to Galatians was so important, why it went viral in the first century, and I guess most importantly, what it's got to say to us today so jump in if you've got a bible open it if you've got a bible on a device find it and um, let's help you find it first of all because Galatians is hard to find because it's really small if you've got a paper bible um, some people still have those things Um, Galatians is only about five pages long Um, you've got a paper bible you find uh, the boys names about sort of half three quarters the way through the bible Matthew Mark Luke and John Um, after that you've got another big book called Acts Uh, And then another big book called Romans and then two big books called Corinthians 1 and 2. And right after Corinthians, um, there's four tiny books together, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians and Colossians. And Galatians is the first one. It's literally just five pages long. If you've got a device, it's easy. Just, you know, scroll through until you find Galatians (laughs) in the list and press on it. It's genius. So Paul wrote this letter to the Galatians about 49 AD. So it's less than it's only 15, 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus, which means it's probably the first letter, it's probably the first piece of writing that we have from Paul. And, and Bible trivia, um, Bible trivia for you, it's quite possibly the first piece of Christian writing post-Jesus that we have at all. Of all of the the books and the writings in the New Testament, it's it's pretty likely that Galatians is the first one that was written. We know from uh, the book of Acts 13 and 14, uh, Acts chapter 13 and 14, um, that talk about Paul's travels around. That Paul traveled to the area of Galatia around about 47 to 48 AD. And he did that. He left Jerusalem and he traveled around because he wanted to tell as many people as he could about the amazing story of Jesus. And so he he traveled around um, uh, with some friends, with groups of others, and he would stop in towns and he would tell them about Jesus. He would tell them about his life. He would tell them about his death. And he would tell them about his amazing resurrection. And out of that, people moved by the Holy Spirit in ways that kind of don't sort of necessarily make sense to us, people began to believe this story. And Paul would collect those first believers together into tiny little churches in the places where he would visit. He would teach. And uh, he would share and then he would collect those first believers together and he would help them become a little church. They never had a building, they never had a name, they didn't have any money, they didn't have any of that. They were just a a little group of Christians who were then committed to loving each other and to following the teaching of Jesus. And then Paul would move on. He would stay for a while and then he would move on to the next town or the next city. Now, to understand what happens next in this story, you have to know a little bit of background. Paul was a Jew. He was a traditional Jew. Jesus was a traditional Jew. All of Jesus' first followers were traditional Jews. The the, the 12 disciples, the, the apostles that we talk about, all the other first believers, they were all traditional Jews. And, and traditional Jews had a bunch of really important traditions and behaviours, things that kind of made them Jews. They had certain religious festivals and special days and stuff that happened on their calendar throughout the year that they all followed, events that they all went to. Um, traditional Jews had certain rules about things that you could do, particularly stuff that you could eat and not eat. Um, really, quite detailed rules, and you might know some Jewish people. Even to this day, um, a lot of traditional Jews won't eat pork, as an example, right? Um, but there's just one. There were a whole bunch of things that um, uh, that the traditional Jews wouldn't eat. There were certain ways to wash their hands. A whole bunch of other rules like that. And of course, tr- traditional Jews had circumcision. And and Paul's going. I just like um, spoiler alert. Paul's going to talk a lot about circumcision in this letter. So if you're uncomfortable with it, you're going to have to get comfortable with it, right? Um, <laughs> circumcision was a physical sign that you're a Jew, and and little Jewish babies, their parents circumcised them as a way to say you're a Jew. And Jewish people had held a, a Jewish boy. Correct. <laughs> Thank you for the clarification. <laughs> And the early Jews had followed those traditions, their their special days, their eating customs, circumcision. They'd been with the Jews for thousands of years. And so after the resurrection of Jesus, when the disciples, when Jesus first uh, followers, when they started sharing the story of Jesus, when they started talking about his life and his death and his amazing resurrection, the people that they shared it with were Jews. They're the people they knew, right? That's who their neighbors were, that's who their co workers were, that's who the people living in their towns and their cities were. And so, the early church, the very first church, was pretty much a hundred percent Jewish. And so, those people, while they were believing in Jesus, they were still following most of if not all of these traditions and things that have been handed down to them for generation to generation to generation they were still not eating pork they were still doing these other things they were still celebrating the same festivals with their families and things like this but fast forward 15 20 years and paul's now traveling Outside of Jewish territory, and he's traveling into other parts of the world where there are still some Jews, but there are all sorts of other cultures, all sorts of other ethnic groups, and religious groups. And so, when he's sharing about Jesus, these churches, these little churches that's starting in Galatia and other places, are not all Jewish anymore. You know, there may be kind of 50 50. That's the backstory to the letter that Paul writes because Paul writes Paul writes on the back of other people also travelling around and talking about Jesus. Paul wasn't the only one travelling around and talking about the amazing resurrection of Jesus. There were numbers of other people doing it. And after Paul left the area of Galatia, some other teachers came into those towns and those cities. And they were teaching people also. And they were sharing their stories of Jesus also. But these people had one really important difference to, Jesus, uh, to to what Paul was teaching about Jesus. Because these people believed that if you wanted to follow Jesus, first you had to become a Jew. Because they were Jews. And Jesus was a Jew. I mean, Paul himself was a Jew. So, so, so they believed that you had to become Jewish. You had to do all the Jewish things. You, you had to start going to the religious festivals and celebrating the special days. You had to stop eating the things that you were eating and start eating these things instead. And yes, you had to go and get circumcised. Grown men had to find a knife and snip, snip. And you had to do this stuff before you would be accepted into the Christian Church. And Paul hears about this and he is angry. He is devastated that people are adding all of these extra rules onto the good news of Jesus. Paul is sad, he's angry, and he's incredibly frustrated. And Galatians is the letter that Paul writes to those churches in his frustration. And he's going to write to remind them about who Jesus is, to remind them of the simple good news, the simple message of Jesus. He's going to remind them that Jesus' life and death and resurrection was something for all people, not just for Jews or not just for a certain group, that, that it was for everyone. And he's going to write to them to remind them that Jesus' message transforms the life. It changes people from the inside out and it changes everyone. Mm. That all people can be changed and transformed from the inside out by the good news of Jesus. You don't need to be a Jew to be transformed by Jesus. So let's start reading. Um, right from the beginning uh, Galatians 1.1 1, 1. Paul introduced himself like you would in any letter remember this is a letter Paul an apostle sent not from men or by a man but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Notice right away that Paul is going to remind them, and this is going to be a theme in the book, that Paul's going to remind them that he's sent by God. Paul wants them to, to, to remember right up front that when Paul came and shared to them, he wasn't sharing his own ideas. Right, Paul wants them to know, this wasn't something that I thought about. God sent me to tell you what God wants you to hear. And also notice that right away, right there in the, in the very first verse, that Paul reminds them of his main message. He reminds them about the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Do you see that right there in the first verse? Sent not by man, but sent by God, Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And actually, jump down to verse 10. Um, Paul's going to go into a lot more detail to talk about his, I guess you'd call them like his credentials, to, to, to remind them that the, the message that he came to bring them was a message from God. And so they, what he's trying to do here is to say, you should listen to me above those other guys who came in because my message wasn't something that I invented. It was something that God told me to bring to you. I'll read from verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached, means the good news, the story of Jesus, that I preached to you is not of human origin. I didn't receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. It's his way of saying, I'm not making this up. Verse 13, for you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, and I was extremely zealous for the tradition of my fathers. But but when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me, So that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. There's a lot of words there, but what Paul's saying is, I'm a Jew too. In fact, I was a really good Jew. In fact, I was an awesome Jew. I was advancing. I was better than all the other Jews my age. Right? I was top of the Jewish class. I was advancing, uh, what does he say? Advancing in Judaism uh, beyond many my own age. I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. In other words, I was holding all those rules. I was following all the traditions better than anyone. So, so when, what he's trying to say is when those people come and, and say you should be a Jew, hey, I know more about being a Jew than anyone. He's saying, well, I was super Jew. Right, That's what he's saying. He wants them to know, I was like the super Jew. But he says, but, but, but when God came to me, when God came to me with the message of Jesus, he wants people to know that the good news of Jesus is something new and it's something for everyone. But all this is ancient history, Right? what does any of this have to do with us today? Paul's letter went viral because other churches had the same struggle. And I think many of us have the same struggle today. Have you ever played golf with someone who knows a bit about golf? If you have, you know what I'm talking about. Golf is... a Golf is an exceptionally simple game, right? All you have to do is hit the little white ball from where it is into a hole that's out there somewhere, right? That's it. It couldn't be simpler. But if you've ever played golf with someone who knows something about golf, the last thing you're thinking about is getting the ball into the hole. You've got these sorts of words going through your mind that you've got to bend your left knee. You have to keep your right knee straight, take it back slow, keep your head still, Cock your wrist, or but keep your left arm straight, and, you know, and, and on and on it goes. And what was supposed to be an incredibly simple game, and so I know a little bit about golf, so I'm actually one of those annoying people that does that to someone like you. Um, yeah. But, but what ought to have been a really simple a really simple game becomes all of a sudden really complex. We kind of do that in all of life, don't we? we? We lose sight of an initial simple idea and we become consumed by all sorts of extra complex things. We make simple things complex and we make easy things hard. And the truth is we do the same with the Christian faith, don't we? We take a simple message about a God who loves us and a simple story about the death and the resurrection of Jesus and we add all these other things to it. Now, if you're not a Christian or if you're kind of early in the Christian faith, this is the part where you get to nod and say, See, I told you so. I was right. And you are right. I mean, maybe Christians aren't arguing about circumcision now. Man, but Christians sure know how to take the story of Jesus and make it complicated, don't we? (laughs) Christians sure know how to add a bunch of extra rules to a simple story. We argue about the way that you should worship. You know, and there's older people saying, Oh, I miss those old hymns. That was when it was, you know, that was when worship was real worship. And you got young people going, Oh, we sang a song from 2010. That's just like so, you know. <laughs> we argue about things in the book, we, we argue about Genesis and how the world began and how old really is the world. We argue about how old you should be when you get baptized. There's people saying you should, you should get to baptize children, you know, baptize someone as early as possible so they're in the family of God enough. No, don't, don't baptize someone until they're old enough to make their own decision. And then after you get over that argument, then you have to argue about how you baptize someone and is it okay just to sprinkle water on them? Have you ever heard these things? Or do you have to, do you have to get fully dunked to be really baptized? You know, if you just got that sprinkled thing, that's not the real deal. And then we add all these extra rules to to, to what it means to be a Christian. We don't write them down, but everyone knows that there are things that you wear to church and things that you don't wear to church. You know what I'm saying? We have rules about what kind of movies you should let your kids watch, what kind of friends you should have. Can you be a Christian and still smoke? I'm not kidding. Christians argue about this stuff and they talk about this stuff. They post online about this stuff. If you don't think we do, just ask someone. Ask one of your friends who's not a Christian. They've got a list way longer than mine that they'll give you. And I know, before you, I know some of you are thinking about Bible verses right now that's showing me that some of these things, you know, that the Bible does have some things to say about what we watch and, uh, you know, what we wear and that sort of stuff. I know it does. And I'm not saying it doesn't. And I know there's some truth to some of that. My point is that these things are not the main message. And when we talk like those things are the main message... We're drawing people away from that main message. When we talk about things, when we talk about those things before we talk with people about a God who loves them and created them and what's a relationship with them, when we talk with those things before we talk with them about the death and the resurrection of Jesus and what that means for our life now and forever. We're taking people away from the main thing. We're making simple things complex and easy things hard. And when we do that, it makes Paul so frustrated. It made Paul so angry that he sat down and he wrote a letter to help those churches and maybe to help us refocus on the main that's what the letter to the Galatians is all about that's why Galatians is a book that's worth reading Galatians is a call what we're going to read in the next few weeks Galatians is a call to stay true to the simple message of Jesus Galatians is a call to keep the main thing the main thing Galatians is a warning for churches and Christian people who want to add all this other stuff and complicate things. It's a warning to say, don't do that. And I'm just spoiler alert, Paul uses some really blunt language to people who want to add extra rules. He does not beat around the bush. Galatians is a reminder that the good news of Jesus, that the message and the life of Jesus isn't about keeping a whole list of rules. It's not about a whole pile of do's and the don'ts. Galatians is a reminder that the message of Jesus is about finding freedom and hope and eternal life. And that we find that in the death, the life and the death and the resurrection of one man, Jesus. So I want to say as we begin this series, if, if the Christian message seems big and complex and sometimes complicated to you, Galatians is a letter that you should read. If Christianity seems to you like an endless list of rules, like I'm always ticking boxes to try and do the right things and, and not tick the boxes that mean I'm doing the wrong things, Galatians is a letter that you should read. If Jesus seems so complicated to you that you feel like you need to go to uni before you can understand who he is and what he did, Galatians is a letter that you should read. Galatians is a letter that's written out of frustration and anger. But Galatians is a letter that that is written to bring hope and freedom to people. Galatians is a message of the transforming, the life transforming power of Jesus. And it is Paul's desperate attempt to make that life transforming power as easy to understand and as available to everyone as he possibly can. And that's what makes Galatians definitely worth reading today.